news and information. We're going to go through a ton of different things. So let's get this rocking and rolling. I want to first start by um, number one, guys, saying to the podcast listeners, um, if you love the podcast, definitely give it a five-star rating. This helps it out a lot. Helps out in terms of search engine, search results, uh, and then also helps out with people understanding what it is it that you are getting from the podcast. You know, how does it benefit your life? How does it benefit um, the kind of information that you're receiving? Because I hope that this podcast can be a place where people are receiving quality information and they're able to have their own discernment. They're able to have their own ideas about the world that aren't just what the matrix wants you to think. It's the whole point of this whole deal. And I think if you want to support the podcast, you can also shop at longevity.com. You can get all of these wonderful products there. I'll put the links in the description below. Um, you've got health and wellness. I usually call it the Amazon of wellness. And uh, I take these supplements every single day. I take a variety of different things and have the skincare routines um, and a, just a multitude of different elements of my life are folded into the Longevity products. I use the Longevity products for a ton of different elements. So highly recommend Longevity, always have, and I wanted you guys to check that out. I also want to mention something. Um, it, my condolences really for Travis Martin. He was a good friend of ours, and he was in my Longevity business, but more than anything, he was a friend, and he was somebody who was a very hard worker. Um, he recently passed away uh, due to some... Um, health complications that I would say started when he was born uh, because he had a heart transplant when he was two two months old, something around there. I knew it was very early in his life. And usually uh, people with a heart transplant, uh, they don't really, they can live with that heart for up to a max of 30 years before they need a new one. And he was 29 years old. And um, unfortunately, he suffered from some really catastrophic, uh, catastrophic um, health consequences, I guess you could say. And he was looking to get a new kidney uh, very soon this year uh, because you need to get a new kidney before you get another heart. It's just a part of that little process. And so he wasn't doing well uh, with his health, um, but still, you know, losing a friend somebody who is 29, you know, we're not talking about somebody who is, you know, in their 60s or 70s or even 50s. We're talking about somebody who is young, who is going to like raves, you know, who is going to concerts and lived a young life, had a great, you know, uh, had a sense of humor. I mean, just had such a wonderful spirit about him. So I had a good friend of mine pass away a couple, a few days ago now. So I just wanted to kind of shout that out and, and publicly share with those who are listening. Just it's interesting when you lose a friend, especially someone who's worked with you, done business with you. And if you want to go check out his Instagram account, um, it's Travis Martin, but there's one that he built. It's for the business. It's called Mineral Mentor. So if you just type that in on Instagram, give that a follow. Uh, my brother and I manage the account. Uh, we've always, we actually all managed it together. It was me, my brother, and Travis. And Travis was actually the one who clipped all these videos that you see on the account, Mineral Mentor. Um, so just wanted to kind of mention that up, up front with you guys. If you ever want to check him out and you want to check out Dr. Wallach, by the way, uh, that's the guy who founded the company of Longevity. Now, moving on to the podcast itself, what I really wanted to get into was something interesting is the life insurance companies have come out now. There's a big article in Zero Hedge uh, it's called, uh, the, the title is, Deaths in 18 to 64-year-olds 
are up 40%, says an Indiana Life Insurance CEO. Now, when you look at these numbers, and you have to read this article, guys, it's, it's, it's incredibly powerful. Here's the thing you have to understand about life insurance. Life insurance is, depending on your policy, I mean, it could be eight bucks to 20 bucks a month to have a life insurance policy. It's, it's something that everybody should have. And the longer you have one, then the, the larger the, the, the payout can be. Uh, and of course, life insurance is when you pass away. When you pass away, a life insurance policy will then pay your wife um, or your family, or you know you can design it in different ways. I'm no expert on life insurance, but with the policy itself, as you pass on, the uh, policy is sort of distributed in, in, in a certain way. It's, it's credited to you, um, but of course you're, you're dead. But um, it, it kind of helps loved ones sort of you know pay for those costs of the funeral and some other things that you might have to take care of. Um, but you know, overall, I mean, it's, it's, it's important to have because you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big amount of money and it helps a lot with some of those, those things that you might be dealing with, or at least your family will be dealing with after you've sort of passed on. Right. Well, what's other, what's also significant about life insurance companies is they work like they work in numbers. Okay. They work in numbers. And so they're not benefiting from all the vaccines and all of this COVID tyranny. And let me tell you what's going on really with the life insurance companies. Life insurance companies are, you know, there are certain elements to life insurance companies. They have projections, models and things that show some catastrophe, catastrophe right? Where, um, let's say like, um, I, I think of New Orleans and I think of uh, Katrina in 2008, I think it was, was what, 2007? I can't remember what year it was that Katrina happened, but uh, you know, these life insurance companies, especially those local ones in New Orleans, let's just say that there's some catastrophe like that and um, tens of thousands of people are killed by a hurricane, right? And I don't know the number of people that actually died from that hurricane, but let's just say it was a significant amount. Well, if it was a significant amount, you know, life insurance companies are going to have to pay out that policy that they, you know, signed up with when that person started paying their 12 bucks a month. And even if that person's 22 years old or 38 years old, or, you know, maybe in that middle range, and this is a median range, it's like 18 to 64. That's why they, that's why the title of the article was saying 18 to 64. So that population demographic, 18 to 64, those people aren't just normally, okay, those people aren't dying at, in that age, right? Usually, I mean, if they have real health issues and, and, and things like that, then of course they will pass on. Similar to my friend Travis, who had some serious health issues. Life insurance policies tend to take all of these things into account. When you do sign up for life insurance, you have to submit your health records, right? So the life insurance company can kind of um, weigh the options because if you are, if you have a heart disease, if you have diabetes, if you have cancer, if you have all, any kinds of health debilitating diseases that could result in your death in a, a short term future, then a life insurance policy is going to uh, represent that in the numbers they give to you for your monthly payment, right? Because if a life insurance policy is going to have to pay out that five hundred thousand dollars or 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 million dollars, whatever whatever policy you get, if they're going to pay that out uh, in the next ten years, you know, or they have an estimate, uh, it could be in ten years or fifteen years, that's going to be very different from having a very healthy person 
who's in their 20s, sign up for a life insurance policy, and they are expected to live to at least 65 years old, right, or 75. You know, the average death, sort of average age of death in the United States, um, well, not too long ago, it should have been, I think, 72 for males and about 75 or 76 for females. So life insurance policies, they run their numbers off of those kinds of death ages, right? Like in their 70s kind of deal. And so the reason I bring all this up is very important because you can find out what's really going on through different modalities, right? Sometimes in the news, they just cover sort of what they want you to hear. Well, when you're looking at like financial news or you're looking at investments, things like that, you tend to, uh, well, people in that industry of investing and things, they really need straight facts. Like they can't really dabble with all the fake news and garbage that comes off of like even CNN or Fox News, okay? Um, they have to look at Fox Business or CNBC, one of the most respected financial channels, arguably. Um, these sort of, these media outlets are more accurate because their, their watchers, their viewers, if you will, their consumers are extremely intelligent and savvy investors who in many cases have hundreds of thousands of dollars of money to invest or millions in some cases you know rare cases billions of dollars to invest these are these are corporate hedge fund managers you know these are big wigs who have to watch this kind of news well when you follow financial news and especially something like a life insurance company coming out with this number showing that 18 to 64 year olds between that demographic they their death increased by 40% in 2021. Let me be abundantly clear and say this and reframe it so you guys understand. The demographic of 18 to 64-year-olds, this very large range of age, in 2021, not 2020, not when there was a big pandemic and no vaccine and no hope, right? In 2020, we would expect some kind of disastrous you know, death count, right? But instead, what we're really seeing, what the life insurance companies are actually seeing, because this is what they have to report to their stockholders, their shareholders, right? What they're showing is that ever since the vaccine has been administered in a mass scale, the deaths of people between the ages of 18 and 64 are up 40%, okay? So let me show you, I'm reading from this, I'm reading from the quote of this CEO of a life insurance company. And this is what he says. And this I'm quoting, it's a broken up quote. He says, what we saw just in the third quarter, we're seeing it continue into fourth quarter, is that death rates are up 40% over what they were pre-pandemic, he said. Just to give you an idea of how bad that is, a three sigma or a 1 in 200 year catastrophe would be 10% increase over a pre-pandemic number. So 40% is unheard of. So let's go backwards here. What did he just say? Because these life insurance companies are used to running these numbers and analytics constantly, they do prepare for the inevitable, right? Some kind of catastrophe, a volcano erupting, God forbid, Yellowstone erupting, you know, like there are things that they prepare for that are like, well, this would bankrupt our company, right? 
And so they say if a 10% increase, he, and this is what he's saying, he's saying that if, if some catastrophe happened, we're looking at about a 10% increase in deaths in, in one year, right? And he's talking about, you know, quarterly and, 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 and annually, right? So annually speaking, there was a 40% increase in death. He said that that is unheard of. This is a CEO of a life insurance company. Whereas a catastrophe would result in some numbers like 10%, which a life insurance company would be prepared for. A 10% increase in deaths means that there's a 10% increase in policies being paid out. So that's the insurance companies, life insurance companies make money because you're paying monthly for months on end for years and years and decades and decades of your life. And essentially it's like a savings account basically, but that is the policy that then eventually gets paid out to you, right? only paying and you're 24 years old and you die of myocarditis from a vaccine side effect well now the life insurance company is forced to pay out a policy that they even though they agreed to it they were not prepared to pay out you know according to their statistics they're not supposed to be paying that 24 year old who got a policy five years ago when he was 19 years old they're not expecting to pay that person until they were 60 70 80 years old now they're paying out five years later. I'm just giving an example. So these life insurance companies are basically saying, uh, you know, this is, this is an insanity, okay? We cannot do this. I'm going to continue reading from the article. Primerica also said it paid $2.1 billion in term life death claims in 2021. That's up from $594 million in spending on death claims and other forms of term life benefits in 2020. And up from $475 million in 2019, before the COVID-19 pandemic began. Let me clarify that for you. One life insurance company, Primerica, is used to paying about $500 million per year to pay off you know, people in their death. It's called a death claim. Did you hear what I just said? $500 million. In 2021, where the only difference is not COVID and Omicron and all this other BS. The only difference is a vaccine that is known to be toxic, known to have side effects, known to have problems, and problems that we can't even define yet because there's even there's short-term and long-term issues. In that year of 2021, instead of the regular, normal, average of about $500 million in death claims being paid out in one year, $2.1 billion were paid out in 2021. Where is this death happening? A conversation happening in a conference table at many of these life insurance companies. They're not, they're not a pharmaceutical company. They're not benefiting from millions of dollars, even billions of dollars from various governments around the world to inject people like these pharmaceutical companies are. They're life insurance companies. They're on the other end. They're, they're on the ass end of this situation. And the article explains even further, not just that these numbers are insane, and it's obvious that it's a vaccine. It's obvious. So where's all this death coming from? Because it's clearly, it's, it's clearly not COVID. And if it's, it is COVID, it's because the vaccine lowered immunity for people to get sick and then die from COVID. People weren't dying from COVID like they are now. So to be clear, these life insurance companies are on the ass end of what seemed to be like a really wonderful business idea for these pharmaceutical companies. 
And I bet you that life insurance companies are looking at these pharmaceutical companies and they're willing to blow the whistle on this because they're like, hey, we're losing our billions of dollars now. So you're screwing with the big guys. And a lot of people, in, in, and I understand this, especially if you're listening to this, you think that because someone's a billionaire, they're all in the same club. I can assure you that most billionaires do not agree with one another. They do not agree on life. They do not agree on politics. They do not agree on money. They don't agree on how money is made. They don't agree on everything. Yes, is there a consortium, a control group of, of trillionaires, I would say, actually. Trillionaires, people, of the, owners of the Blackstone Investment Group, things like that. Are there those types of people who really don't care either way? Yes, most definitely. But life insurance companies make up a huge portion of a portfolio in investments, okay? Let me give you another example in this article that was really important. So they explained that life insurance companies on average, um, they own 20% of the U.S. bond market. Now, for some of you listening, you may not understand what bonds are and things like that, but let's put it this way. A bond, a U.S. bond, it's, called, it's a treasury bond. A U.S. bond is basically... It is the fabric of the U.S. dollar. Essentially, the U.S. dollar is worth nothing if people like the United Emirates out in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia and China and Japan, the, the Central Bank of Japan and you know the Central Bank of Europe, things like that, and the Federal Reserve do not buy those treasury bonds. The dollar is worth nothing. So if these treasury bonds ever were to find some sort of collapse, meaning if, and I've, I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but if China were to say, oh, uh, I don't, we don't trust the U.S. dollar anymore, so we want to pull out of our bonds. And if they were to pull out of our bonds, then that would, that would essentially um, aid in a collapse of the value of the U.S. dollar. Well, to give an idea, life insurance companies, it shows here in this statistic in this article, which I will post in the description, Life insurance companies make up 20% of the U.S. bond market. That means that if life insurance companies are struggling to pay their own bills and these companies have investments in places like a U.S. bond market, they're going to think of actually canceling their U.S. bonds and saying, hey, we don't have the money to invest in these U.S. bonds. We need that money to, to keep our company afloat. So, you know, again, this goes back to the idea of these globalists and these sort of depopulationists and this and, and this where they disagree with the big sort of corporate capitalist sector of the economy because the corporate capitalists, the apples of the world, the Amazons of the world, you know, they still have to compete and actually make money. Even though there's monopolies involved in this, they do still have to compete and they kind of do need people alive to make money. They kind of do need consumers buying their products in order to keep their companies afloat, right? Well, you have the Bill Gates types and you have the um, Klaus Schwab's types and, and these other people who are involved in the World Economic Forum. And then you've got politicians who are dedicated to this sort of idea um, and these books that are written uh, for the last basically 100 years, but I would say about 70 years, really the most important books were those people who are dedicated to the, the new world order, you know, they actually do want to follow those Georgia Guidestones, right? And have the population of the world be closer to 500 million. 
they're actually committed. And I, I do believe that it's more of a spiritual vendetta than it is about money. You see, because there's corporate interests that clearly have to make money. They clearly care about making money. And they're at odds, which means that they are adversity. They have adversity. They have they have uh, a, a, a they are opponents to globalists who want the depopulation agenda. Okay, so you have to understand the different factions that are involved in the power structure. The power structure isn't just all one thing, and they all agree. Well, I will tell you that if a life insurance company being screwed over by having to pay out all these death claims from all the people dying from these short term, and then later the next day over the next decade, the long term effects. Not only will we have catastrophe in terms of, you know, not having enough labor, not having enough human beings. I mean, people are dying everywhere who took the vaccine in 10 years. We're going to have a collapse of the U.S. bond market from this perspective. So there's many perspectives on this, by the way. But from this perspective, we'll have a, a collapse of the U.S. bond market because if 20% is made up of life insurance companies' investments, life insurance companies are going to start pulling out because they're going to have to start paying their bills. And in worst cases, like Lehman Brothers of 2008 during the real estate financial collapse, these life insurance companies are going to start to collapse. What that's also going to mean is going to result in many, 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 many millions of people who are going to lose a lot of money in these policies um, from these companies. So they're not going to be able to get what they put in. Uh, they're going to have to cancel their life insurance policies, things like that. So then after that, once they cancel the life insurance policy, another catastrophe is going to be when people die, they're not going to have any money for their family to pay for all the expenses. So really what we're looking at is a catastrophe issue. So not only does the life insurance policy, this idea that I just explained to you, what they're looking at in terms of 18 to 64-year-olds dying on average in the uh, year of 2021 up 40%, that's a huge issue. Not only does that point to the problem that is vaccines and these vaccine illnesses and vaccine, um, I would not even say side effects. These are just vaccine effects, right? Because they don't actually, vaccines don't actually work. Um, they don't really, they don't stop transmission. So that's not a vaccine. They had to literally change the definition of a vaccine because this particular vaccine, doesn't matter what COVID vaccine, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, they do not stop transmission. So by definition, that's not a vaccine. Well, I would say that not just the side effects, but the effects, the the result of a vaccine is going to be shorter lifespan. So if, that, if that's going to be the, this year, that's dandy for them. If it's going to be the next five years, like they say in these globalist papers, 2030, they think 2030 is really the important year. And that's why they've administered these vaccines in 2021 and 2022 is because they expect about an eight-year lifespan left on those with the poison in their bodies. Now, again, that can seem conspiratorial. And I do believe, in fact, that there's ways to mitigate these risks and to make your body healthy. That's why I sell longevity supplements. I'm not saying that's the cure. I'm just saying that taking care of yourself and taking the correct supplements and the right dosages are going to help you stay alive. If you are listening to this podcast and you have taken the vaccine, whether it's the Johnson or whether it's the Moderna or Pfizer, I will assure you that there will be treatments and cures for this process. I do believe there will be a way to reverse the uh, side effects or what I would call the main effect, which is ultimately uh, degradation of organs and the collapse of your body, which will result in your death. So I do believe there's going to be ways to mitigate this. I do believe that people will find a cure because that's how God works. There's adversity. There's evil plans that are put in place, just like Hitler, just like many other you know, emperors of many historical time periods have tried to depopulate, have taught, tried to 
commit genocide, have tried taking over the world, they always end up in collapse one way or another. And I will tell you that I believe there's an Achilles heel here and that there's going to be a possibility for there to be a which kind of moves me over to the next conversation here, which is that um, I've got a Breitbart article here that the Supreme Court rejects Biden's OSHA vaccine mandate on private employers. So um, what we're seeing here is that, as we already knew, everything that they were doing, all the mandates, whether it was a city mandate, county mandate, statewide mandate, or on a federal level, like we're seeing with the, um, the military and um, these other sort of um, regulatory agencies like OSHA, these kinds of uh, these kinds of things are not going to end up in actually working. You know, they're they're they think that they're going to be able to, you know, uh, get people to take these vaccines, and, and that's just going to be a totally normal situation. Oh yeah, we're going to just mandate the vaccine if you want to work here. Well, we already knew that that was completely illegal, but it did take a lot of, if you will, lawfare to fight in the courts. And they won on every occasion. So they won in the local courts, the federal courts, and then at the Supreme Court, where, again, this has taken time, you guys. Ever since that vaccine mandate was put in, the lawsuits were filed. So was that that was maybe like summer of 2021. So just to give you an idea, it's, I remember back then, and I, I thought to myself, well, the lawsuits are going to have to go through and go to the Supreme Court. And I, I knew that this would take time. It was going to take like you know, five to eight months, you know, depending on the Supreme Court, how backed up they are. And then, of course, COVID and the, the idea that you don't even have to be represented in a courtroom anymore. You're just on a Zoom call with your judge and your judge is going to dictate you whether or not you're going to go to prison or not. That's just insane. But I, I didn't really know how the process would go, but I, I, I predicted about five to eight months. And so, yeah, it's been about six months uh, since these lawsuits have been filed. And then bada boom, bada bang, You've got a decision 6-3 in the Supreme Court saying, yeah, you know, this mandate is not allowed. You just can't do that. And it's not even that they didn't even have to do it from like they don't the vaccines don't work and all this other stuff. That was a part of the arguments. Uh, but the main argument was just very simple. This regulatory agency on a federal level has no authority. That's the most important part, guys, is that what we've been living in in this reality is that there is no authority. There is no authority of people putting on a mask in a store. There is no authority that a a, a restaurant can force you to wear a mask. It just doesn't. It doesn't exist. Okay. Um, and that's the craziest part is that because there's no authority, even though somebody can come, even though the manager comes up to you at the store and tells you to put it on, you have to. It's still not a reality. You you can't do that. Businesses cannot deny service to people based off of medical conditions. So that's just really important. So the Supreme Court, I know people already know that. Some of y'all already know that. But I wanted to give you guys my perspective on this is that we knew that the mandates were uh, going to end up being overturned in the courts. It just took time for it. A lot of people out there, um, you would think that listening to this podcast that you know we're hopeless here. And I would say that that's more or less, that's called the black pill. There's the red pill, blue pill, and the, and the black pill. And the black pill, I would say, is definitely the pill that uh, is is for the for the hopeless, you know. Oh my gosh, man, we're so screwed, man. Like they're gonna totally take over, and the vaccines are gonna kill everybody. And now I can't work at my you know business because of blah blah blah, or I got fired because of blah blah blah. It's like 
yeah, you know what? This is a temporary problem. I already knew based off of what I could see that this was all not going to be held up in court. And, and everybody doesn't – people don't understand how our systems of government even work. You know, They don't understand how uh, we do still have an institution. We do still have – levels layers i would say of protections you know against our um uh of against violations to our rights you know so the supreme court did that well osha which is this regulatory body this regulatory agency they they canceled the va that vaccine mandate so it, it first it happened at, it go it went through court supreme court decided nope this is not allowed it took a while it took like another couple weeks for this this regulatory agency called osha uh to finally cancel this sort of mandate. So what's very sad to me is that I do believe that the federal government, the administration, yada, yada, I do believe that they knew what they were doing was illegal. I do believe that the regulatory agencies um, putting in that mandate on vaccines and making it, um, uh, making it mandatory, I do believe that they also knew that it was illegal. But what they did know, and I think that this is, I don't know who's in control of this element of it, but I do think they knew that this would ultimately, this mandate, even though it was not allowed and even though they had no authority to do so legally, they went with this mandate because they knew enough people would get the vaccine to stay at work. They knew enough people would get the vaccine against their will to have their job. That's what they knew. Even if it took, six months for it to be overturned in the courts, they still went with it anyways, because that's how authoritarians work. They will do whatever they want to do until time allows us to prove them wrong. And so far, time has proven me right. And you listening to this podcast, you have been right this entire time. Masks have been harmful to people, especially when you're running or you're working out. All of these things are time-tested. They were not good. It doesn't matter how much propaganda and how many doctors, quote-unquote, told you that this was a legitimate thing and that masks stopped the spread of COVID-19. It's totally not true. I'm giving you that one example. Time will always prove us right. When we look at things for face value and we are use our discernment, our God-given discernment, and our intuition to take a look at things, our intuition will be correct over time. It may take that time for courts and other things to figure that out, but tyrants won't ever recognize that. So I wanted to give credence to this on the news because I wanted to help everybody understand that there are ways to help mitigate this tyranny that we're living in, the, the matrix, I would say, right? And the other aspect of this is what's happening in Canada. You know, we have over a million, it seems like, I think we're up to a million now, people going to Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. They're going there to protest all the mandates. It's not just the trucker mandate. The trucker mandate is just the last straw. Now, there's a lot of conversation around um, January 6th and how this relates to this looks like that same, you know, sort of false flag event that happened in Washington, D.C., where people broke into the Capitol and now they're in prison. And, and then you've got the media and Democrats are running. Literally, their entire election is based off white supremacists going and attacking the Capitol of D.C., right? I mean, that's their entire election sort of jargon right now because they're not running on any success. I'll tell you that. 
And so people feared that this Ottawa situation would turn into a disaster. It would make the movement of this sort of protest against vaccine mandates look bad. When in reality, uh, I do believe that for the most part, for them to call them racist and then Russian tells you everything you need to know that they have no propaganda locked and loaded, ready to go to really combat this whole movement that's happening now in Canada. So what's important about truckers is that everything that you have in your house, whether it's a book or a computer or if it's your phone or whatever it is, a trucker brought it to you. Every element of your life, your food, the paintings, the furniture, every element of your life, a trucker brought it to you. Now, I believe we should go back and invest in bulletproof trains and we should invest in those kinds of you know, awesome new technologies where we can have trains in many different directions, not just a couple you know, east to west, north to south kind of deal. I want trains flying back and forth, right? I want, I want so many. And so that's a whole other conversation about the future. But um, that trucker, though, did bring it to you. And so when you're forcing truckers to do stuff they don't want to do, they have unions. You know, unions used to be a very Democrat thing. Uh, worker class sort of Democrat thing. But the unions are, there are ways to protect the worker. And a lot of times here, the unions have been problems for the vaccine mandates. I'll give you that, that example. Uh, but some unions have protested the vaccine mandate. Some unions uh, in some states, mostly conservative states, have said, no, you, you're not allowed to put that mandate. And as a union, you, you're, as, and the union is, is not the company, just so you understand. A workers union is not the company. A workers union is actually, in many cases, the adversary of a corporation. They're usually the people that represent the workers of that said corporation. So uh, that the unions have been a thing since, really since America started, even before that. Um, the idea of unions working for a particular company and protesting certain things that happen at a certain company, um, certain rules and regulations that a company puts in, uh, wage wage increase, wage decrease, things like that are what concern unions. And so um, these truckers are basically like a massive union saying, hey, to the government, like, you can't come in on our business, on our industry and force mandates. Now, we know that it was illegal uh, based off of our constitution here in America. And so we don't have that problem right now, but there is uh, Joe Biden saying the same thing that truckers who are not vaccinated are not allowed to transport goods across the border into Canada and Mexico um, and God knows wherever else, but we don't, we're not bordering any other land states but uh, or land countries. But I think that you know, with that mandate coming in, it's kind of interesting how the federal government works. They try to force as much tyranny as they possibly can in every direction that they can. So, okay, we can't do it through every business. We can't force every business in the United States to force man mandated vaccines, right? Okay, well, we can't do that. Oh, interesting. Well, let's try to make it where we can do it on the border because we have control over customs and maybe we can squeeze in that new regulation there. And so you see how the federal government tries to squeeze in those regulations and tries to make these rules up in any way that they can to try and collapse things. So the purpose, you guys, of the vaccine mandate was really never ever to have immunity against COVID or to save lives, right? That's not the intention. We know now that the vaccine does not save lives. It doesn't do anything for you except hurt you. That's what we know right now. 
and the idea that it mitigates some level of illness and, and prevents hospitalization, more and more we're seeing that that doesn't work, especially long term. So those of you listening who are pro-vaccine for whatever reason, you know, you're sitting there saying, okay, well, it doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't do shit for you. Oh, but it does stop hospitalization. That's also not true. And then that's why they say that, oh, well, that's because you need a third shot and a fourth one and a fifth one. Really? Really? So a fourth shot hasn't even been a year yet since you got your first shot. You want a fourth shot? Okay. I mean, tell me you're not an idiot. I mean, that is just stupid. You know, if you think that some pharmaceutical company is saying, oh, this medication we gave you doesn't work. It only works for a couple months. We're going to have to give you another shot. This is an injection. They are injecting a substance into your body. This isn't some pill that you take every morning or every other day. You know, so get your head on straight with that. They do not stop transmission. They don't help you. So the vaccine mandate has never been to stop COVID. It has never been to quote unquote save lives ever because the, vac the vaccine companies and the government, they've known it from the start. These vaccines don't do either. They don't save lives and they do not stop transmission. And what they do know, now we know that Dr. Fauci especially, he knows the vaccines kill people. That's what they do. And so when you think about it like that and when you know these things to be true in your heart, then you have to ask yourself, what is the intention of that vaccine mandate? The intention of the vaccine mandate was to collapse the economy because they knew that people would get fired they knew that there would be a disruption to the marketplace short term, which is good for them, good for the globalists. Because globalists, they love to collapse countries like George Soros does, and they love, they love to collapse a, a, a currency, a, a, an economic country like Ukraine, what they're doing in Ukraine, and what they've done in Africa, and what they've done in Asia. They love to collapse these nations so that they could be bought up for pennies on the dollar, basically. That's what they're doing. And so the biggest prize they have is America. So the vaccine mandate has always been to collapse the economy. That has been the sole number one and I would say only purpose of the mandate itself. So why is that? Why is that? Well, look, later in the next decade, we're going to find that a lot of people who are taking their fifth and, and tenth and, and, and fifteenth Pfizer shot, okay, What's going to happen is we're going to have a lot of people who are debilitated. They are at the very least, they will have diseases, diseases that ultimately we will have to, um, uh, it will, it will burden families. They will burden families. Uh, it will burden society as a whole, and it will truly, truly burden our healthcare system. So our healthcare system is going to be busy with the organ failure that are occurring in the vaccinated in the next five to 10 years. And so when that's going to happen, there's a real collapse of our healthcare system and our collapse in also um, what's funny is the mandate being specifically for healthcare workers, right? So the people that are supposed to be taking care of us and, and nursing us back to health are actually going to be the ones with the most sick, right? Because of the idea that they are going to continue getting boosters, right? Booster after booster after booster, which the boosters we know now that they're going to end up killing that person. Particularly, they will die of the vaccine um, eventually. And what I mean by the vaccine, I don't mean by the injection itself. I mean by the organ failure caused by the injection, or you know, etc. And so, with the healthcare workers all collapsing, the law enforcement agencies all collapsing because they all took the shot, and in many cases, even our own government, our own politicians 
have taken the shot. They're not in on it, you guys. They actually believe their own bullshit. They're smelling their own shit to their face. So they're taking the same poison that everyone else is taking. Um, that's what's fascinating about this. So I just wanted to mention that as, as the reason why for that. You, so you're looking at the trucker protest. Well, of course, that's going to collapse the supply chain, right? And talking about the supply chain is you have you have actual um, – in D.C., there are there are grocery stores that 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 are saying they have signs take only what you need. So what's happening now? This is the where I'm going to sort of close the podcast off. I think I'm, I'm going to have to talk to Ru about Russia some other time because that's a whole nother thing. But what is going to happen is they're going to get people used to the idea of having less. That's the new goal of globalism. Once they can get first world countries used to the idea of having less. What they're going to say is that climate change is causing the problems. They're going to say that climate change is causing the supply chain. When we know it was the vaccine mandate, when we know it was the shutdowns, the lockdowns, and all these other problems that are actually causing the supply chain shortage. All right. So when you know that that is what's causing the supply chain shortage, then you kind of realize that th th that this this whole notion that you're going to have less you're going to have less and less and less you're going to end up getting programmed to get used to that you don't believe me look at the people who are wearing masks still they genuinely believe that they are protecting themselves and others by wearing a mask at the fucking supermarket when you understand that that mass psychosis, that same exact mass psychosis is going to be used on those same people who are wearing double masks to this day, they are going to actually believe that there's some sort of climate crisis or some sort of economic supply chain crisis that is the reason for them not having access to the products and services that they're used to. That is 100% going to happen in the near future. So I want everyone to realize that if you don't have supplies, if you don't have food stored up, water stored up, guns, ammo, all of these things stored up, just in case, just in case, because the next big shoe to drop is going to be supply chain, supply chain shortages and a cyber attack that's going to be blamed on Russia. And this is going to be the next thing. I'm going to have to do a whole other podcast on the, on the Russia thing. But this is what's going to happen next. They're going to get you used to having less. They're going to get you – they're going to start moving into climate lockdowns too. They're going to start creating – they have weather weapons. Geoengineering is happening right now with aerosol injection. But they actually genuinely have weather weapons. These weather weapons are going to be used in mass scales to create winter storms, create hurricanes, different things. And those are going to be, um, they're still, they're still perfecting those, by the way. I think that they're approving, improving upon them. I mean, but Hey, look, you don't believe me. I think it's the United Emirates or Qatar, one of the two, those, those countries, since they're desert countries, they're, they're literally just barren wasteland in many cases. They are terraforming parts of their of their country using weather modification systems. I would call those weather weapons. 
they are actually making it rain, believe it or not. They are making it rain in their, in their, and they're open about it, by the way. They have these super cities that are building right now. I think in Saudi Arabia, they're building one. They're building these super cities that are like 30 times bigger than New York City. And they're building them right now, just like what China is doing, where China has these ghost cities. If you don't believe me, just Google China ghost cities. And you'll see all these pictures of entire cities, the size of Las Vegas, completely empty. All they, They're just built. That's it. They're just completely finished and built. But there's nobody living there. And so what we're looking at is a lot of different issues. And, and I think that there's, there's so many things we could talk about. But I hope this podcast kind of helps you frame a lot of what's been going on around the world. And, of course, I love for you guys to give me some feedback if you guys you know, felt like you learned something and or give a five-star rating. The five-star rating helps out a lot as well. So I appreciate you guys' time, your energy, your focus. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.